Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Uh, 109 here on WWL Radio. I hope everybody's had a nice week. Hope you've had a nice couple weeks with all that delightful weather, that sunshine. Seems like uh, it's not really around anymore. You just heard the weather there with uh, Ian Ozan. It's kind of crummy outside today, but hey, you know what? It's cool in here. I'm having a good time. Coleman's having a good time. Not wearing a rain jacket, just wearing a smile. That's all you really need on a day like today. I got a great show coming up and I'll tell you all about it in just a minute. But right now you got something to do. You know what it is. Reach over, turn it up, crank it, because this is what you've been working for, baby. Slaps. You know, I was just listening to the news there. And there's a story about how maybe Beyonce might have like accidentally ripped off this Canadian cartoon turtle. I don't know. I, I was getting ready, so I didn't totally get to hear the whole report. I will maybe hear it again in a couple hours. But uh, I kind of like that new Beyonce song. We talked about that a little bit last week. There's this controversy over a, a radio station that didn't want to play it, even though it was it was a country radio station that was like, this isn't country enough, even though it's the number one song on the country billboard charts. So I was just talking to Coleman a second ago. And we don't, I don't necessarily have a great access point for modern pop country music. Coleman, do you? Not, uh, yeah, country is not my preferred genre, so I, I'm, I'm really lacking on the knowledge. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know a lot about it. I mean, I'll say this. I've heard some songs that I really like. Me I, too. I somehow came to, to like Jason Aldean. I don't like the weird small town song because it's... I don't like it, but but I like it. We play The Truth by Jason Aldean uh, on the Scoot Show all the time, and I've really come to like that song, and I've heard some of his other stuff. Well, I think one of my well, favorite my toes songs tapping. is the, uh, the, the Cameo Word Up remix by Boss Hoss. It, it, it was on the uh, the Golden Circle movie. The, what? Yeah, so on the Kingsman soundtrack, Kingsman Golden Circle, this country band, Boss Hoss, did a Word Up by Cameo remix, but it's like a country version of Word Up, and it sounds awesome, but that's like the only country song I can say I actually like. That's 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 baking my noodle a little bit, because you know that the Word Up by Cameo has the... <laughs> yeah. It kind of has that, the little untouch, unforgivables. What was that? It doesn't matter. Um... Coleman and I were talking about, you know, our access points to country music. Some of Taylor Swift's older stuff, which definitely is country. I like that because I came to really appreciate Taylor Swift this year. But there was one song that Coleman and I both agreed that's probably not strictly country, but it's close enough and we really like it a lot. (laughs) You can dance to that. It's hard for me to imagine this making it to number one on the Billboard 
country chart. I think this is the first country song I've heard. If it's called, if it's country. How do you say that's not a country song? <laughs> I love that. Hey, thanks, Coleman. Appreciate that. Hey, I wanted to ask you, too. Um, everybody got Odyssey points this morning. I noticed. The chief executive officer, David Field, gave everybody Odyssey points. And I know most of you probably don't know what I'm talking about. If you work for Odyssey, um, we're able to give points to each other for, hey, you know, you did a great job this week on a certain project or you've just always been so consistently a great employee or whatever. So, you know, sometimes we'll give points to Coleman or Charlie or I'll get points or Steve Geller will give points to somebody in his department, et cetera. Diane's giving out points. Danny's giving out points. But today, everybody got 30 Odyssey points, Wow, which is kind of a lot. Like you usually only get, you know, five points to give out every month, I think. So I got, we all got 30 points today. And I wonder what we're going to do with all the, like, what, how are you going to spend your Odyssey points? Because you can redeem these for Odyssey stuff, like a hoodie or a Bluetooth speaker or. Yeah, I've seen uh, Steve Geller has the jacket. The Odyssey yeah, how did jacket? he get that Odyssey branded jacket? I want one of those. Those look pretty sharp. And then I think uh, somebody else has the Odyssey socks. Okay. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah, there's Odyssey There's Odyssey socks. I well, saw, who's wearing the Odyssey I, I, socks? I wish I could remember who it was. But I seen somebody with the, they say, yeah, I use my points to get these socks. I'm like, that was pretty awesome. Wow, I have 230 points to redeem here. I haven't checked bonds yet. Wow, okay, so let's see. What can you do? I can get a, a Odyssey tile. You know, like the little thing you put on your keychain? Oh, so I thought you, you mean like your tile floors. That's <laughs> what I thought, too. When I saw it, I was like, man, this is pretty advanced stuff. I'm going to redo my kitchen. You get an Odyssey cap, a tote, an umbrella. Uh, you can get a backpack. You can get a clear fanny pack, which is actually pretty useful because, you know, you need a fanny pack to go to the I'm quite Superdome sure there's a, a beer koozie there, right? A koozie? Just one koozie? Well, I know what I'm going to do with mine and give you a Odyssey koozie. And it's right on time. You know what I noticed? What's that? Not only is it payday, but it's only, but it's also the first of the month, which means as soon as you get paid, then you got to pay all your bills because it's the first of the month. It's like, oh, I it's kind of like a bittersweet. Like my my, I I saw my direct deposit come in this morning, and then yeah, I like, had to like, Venmo my landlord, and I was like, like well, got to take it right away. Yeah, you know, it's not fair. Payday and rent day shouldn't be on the exact same day. Ooh, Robbie just texted me. He says, get the backpack. I've seen Robbie <laughs> Bowen wearing that. I think he's got an Odyssey backpack, and it does right. look pretty good. What do you think happens if we all? I don't think we can do this, but maybe we could all um, pool our Odyssey points all together. Yeah, maybe we can. We transfer points. Like if I got thirty points a day, can I transfer my thirty points to you and yes. sixty points combined? Yeah, I think we could do that. Yeah, everybody's every send Robbie and everybody listening in the building send me your Odyssey points, and I'll buy some Odyssey stock for us. Hey, you know what I did last night? I had Randy the Storyteller over to my house, and we watched From Dusk Till Dawn. Have you ever seen this film? Yeah, uh, George Clooney. Yeah, I yeah, I uh, knew Tarantino. nothing about it. Randy, really? Randy and I always do Selma this kind of like, yeah. Whoa, it, man. Yeah, that was amazing. I had no, no idea what that movie was about. And Randy was like, you don't know anything about this movie? I said, Randy, I don't know who's in it. I don't know when it came out. I don't know what's it about. I got nothing. Goose egg. So he says, okay, he's very excited to show me this movie. And we sit down, and I start watching. I was like, oh, it's young George Clooney. Oh, look, it's young Quentin Tarantino. And I see Selma Hayek in the credits at the beginning, so I'm like, ooh, Selma Hayek's oh, got to yeah. show up That's here some point. Part of the movie, actually. And then I'm not giving anything away for people who haven't seen From Dusk Till Dawn, but about halfway into the film, it takes a turn. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a real twist. 
like M Night Shyamalan's got nothing on the twist in From Dusk Till Dawn, and I Randy actually took a picture of me and put it on his Instagram. My jaw is like wide open. I'm I'm drinking a beer and it's about halfway to my mouth, but I'm just frozen in shock because of what's happening on screen. It just came out of nowhere. Wow. Off the top rope. I was shocked. I loved that movie. You are familiar with most of Quentin Tarantino's work though. You have seen some. I've of seen I think I've seen everything. And it keeps with the tradition. If you're familiar with Quentin Tarantino, that's the that's the the, the mandatory foot fetish. That's a, that Randy said the same thing. He was like, look, yeah, he has to have one in every movie. He writes in, if you don't know what we're talking about, I guess Quentin Tarantino's a big foot guy. Yes, he's which a major is fine. Foot guy. I don't want to yuck your yum. You know, we're all here to do what we're all here to do. But then I guess like he he wrote a scene into this film from Dust Till Dawn where it's, I'm not giving anything away. Selma Hayek has to put her foot in his mouth. Yep. That's Quentin so Tarantino. I can imagine this this nerd sitting in his Hollywood bungalow being, ooh, and then Selma Hayek comes out from behind the curtain and she walks up to Quentin Tarantino's character and puts her foot in his mouth. Hmm, print that. You know, it sends it to the screenplay place or whatever. I mean, come on, it's a little too on the nose, Quentin. Unbelievable. Look, um, uh, Cynthia is here from the BBB. I'm going to get to you in just a second, hon. If you didn't hear the handoff with Newell, uh, in just a few minutes we're going to talk to Gene Kritzky. Gene has written a book called A Tale of Two Broods, and I'm going to ask him about this uh, double whammy of cicadas. There's two broods that are going to be coming out of the ground this year. More than a trillion cicadas are going to be uh, floating around somewhere in the central United States. And I'm pretty curious to know, like, uh, what does that mean? Are they going to eat all the crops? Are they going to... Are they going to screw up some other parts of our economy or the ecosystem or what? Is it like one of the plagues from Egypt or something? Hey, can you ask this question as well? What? I always wonder what happens, you know, when the cicadas are buried, but then there's like a land development and cement goes over where they're buried. Are, are they able to go? Th- I always wonder what happened to the cemented cicadas because it's, yeah. it's like 13, 17 years down the ground. Yeah, they get buried under a parking lot or something. Yeah, you write that down. I, wanna... I am going to add that. Okay, great. We're going to talk to Gene Kritzky in just a couple minutes. We're going to talk to Greg Busson about the Fiesta Italiana, which is happening in Kenner this weekend. He's going to give us all the details on that. I'm going to talk to a friend of mine, uh, Benjamin Mintz, who is a James Beard Award finalist, food and beverage writer. He's a, a journalist who lives in Marfa, Texas. And we're going to talk about Sotol, which I got uh, um, pretty tipsy drinking with Ben a couple weeks ago. We probably had a little too much Sotol. Uh, but he started telling me about the history of this liquor, and I just thought it was so interesting, and it turns out he's sort of an expert in it. And so when I found out I was going to be hosting the show this week, I thought, oh, I got to get Ben on to talk about Sotol. I think it's a very interesting story, and it's a really delicious drink, and I love to talk about things that are delicious and interesting. In the 3 o'clock hour, <laughs> just for fun, uh, we're going to talk to Bradley Onishi, who's the author of the book Preparing for War, The Extremist History of White Christian Nationalism and What Comes Next. Uh, Is Christianity under assault in America? There are former Trump administration officials and people from that sort of ecosystem of uh, think tanks in Washington, D.C. that would say, yes, Christianity is under assault in America, and we have a plan to fix that. We talked earlier in the week about Project 2025, which is this thousand-page document that the Heritage Foundation put together that's basically a a blueprint for a government-in-waiting. So uh, if Donald Trump, uh, you know, is inaugurated for a second term in January, the Heritage Foundation has already done all this vetting 
for people that they're going to hire in the executive branch. They want to fire 50,000 people and install all these other Trump loyalist peoples. There are some that are being included in that uh, consideration of that sort of government and waiting that really, really want America to, their words, not mine, infuse Christian nationalism into our politics, into our government policy. So we'll talk to Bradley about what that means uh, for them and for us. Let's talk really quickly to Cynthia from the Better Business Bureau. Cynthia, welcome to the show. What you got for us this week? Well, hello, Dean. Uh, yeah, this is Cynthia with the Better Business Bureau, and I want to give you an overview. Uh, I think everybody's going to um, enjoy this information because we are getting lots of calls on this. Uh, it's a BBB scam alert on credit repair and debt relief. Basically, what's happening is a con artist will call you. They're advertised online, social media, a number of different ways. And they guarantee that they can improve your credit, they can eliminate your debts, even bankruptcy, which is ridiculous. But people are so far down in debt, they'll believe anything. But the key thing that you have to remember, if they ask you for a fee up front, or if everything's really vague about their company, you know that a red flag's going to go up, you know that it is a scam. Call your BBB and be very, very careful because they're going to get information from you. They're going to make you think that this is necessary, and they could be asking you for your Social Security number, bank account number. And the one thing that is amazing to me is that they tell these people that they, if they change their Social Security number, which is impossible, they um, – it's of course it's a crime they tell you that you can use your employer id number instead of your social security number on all documents and so no one can trace you uh how bad your credit actually is so stay away from that call your bbb and don't fall for these advanced fees with guarantees and, um, you know, they tell you that they're going to do anything, even without reviewing your financial yeah. situation. What's that number it again, Cynthia, for the BBB? That is five oh, yes, sir, it's 504-581-6222. And if you have been scammed, please put it on our BBB scam tracker. Very good. Cynthia, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for the heads up on this stuff. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Yes. uh, Nice to speak with you, Cynthia. I'm Ian. Uh, 504-581-6222. If you're getting scammed or something seems suspicious, somebody on the Internet's asking for personal information, uh, call the BBB first. That's 581-6222. Okay. We're going to step away and get caught up on some biz before I talk to Professor Emeritus of Biology at Mount St. Joseph University in Cincinnati. His name is Gene Kritzky. I'm going to talk to him about these uh, the cicadas. I'm going to be taking your calls and comments all afternoon long on the Oakland Art Jewelers Talk and Text Line. That number is 504-260-1870. Get in touch anytime, y'all. If you want to send me a text, I love that. If you want to give me a call, that's great, too. I'm going to read 100% of the texts you send me. I'm going to reply to as many as I can. And the very best ones, I'm going to read on the air, so make them count. I'm Ian Hoke, sitting in for Scoot. It's going to be a great afternoon. Stick around. Be right back after this. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Ian Hoken for Scoot. He'll be back on Tuesday. I actually, I've been screwing this up all week. He, he took... Monday through Monday off. So I'm going to be with you again on Monday and Scoot will be back on Tuesday. He's taking a vacation. Everything's fine. I was wrong about when he was coming back. So sorry about that. Now, reading from Time magazine, more than a trillion cicadas will be coming to the United States in an event that has not happened since Thomas Jefferson was president in 1803. Man, kind of a lot's happened since then. Uh, two adjacent broods of the red-eyed flying cicadas will emerge from the ground in April, and residents in the Midwest and Southeast should brace themselves for a season of high-pitched buzzing. Joining us on the line right now is Gene Kritsky, Professor Emeritus of Biology at Mount St. Joseph University in Cincinnati, Ohio, and author of a book called A Tale of Two Broods. Professor, welcome to the show. Thanks for making time today. Glad to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm getting excited about these cicadas. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> You're probably fired up about this. Okay, uh, Professor, why do cicadas live so long and they have this really unique emergence cycle? They come out of the ground every 17 years. Tell us about cicadas. Well, the periodical cicadas are one of the longest, the longest living uh, life cycle for all the insects in that particular species. There are some termites that can live up to 50 years, but... Uh, that's just for the queen. But the uh, periodical cicadas have either a 17- or a 13-year life cycle. And it's uh, the leading hypothesis right now is that, that that long life cycle evolved as a response to the first the gradual cooling of the ice ages as the, as the, as the ice sheets are moving south. And then that, that created this long life cycle. And as they moved, as the glaciers retreated, uh, selection favored the inability of the broods to interbreed with each other. And so that resulted in these prime number life cycles of 17 or 13 years. And here the northern areas up in Illinois and Wisconsin, Iowa, and Indiana are going to have a 17-year life cycle. And the southern states, including northern Louisiana, will be seeing a 13-year cicada. Wow. Okay, so uh, what, what makes them come out? How do they know to do that? Well, they respond to uh, uh, temperatures of the soil. When the soil temperature reaches 64 degrees Fahrenheit, and then usually, from my experience, I've been doing this for 50 years now, uh, after a nice soaking rain, not a deluge, but a nice soaking rain, and that soil temperature at 64 degrees Fahrenheit, and that causes them to come out in massive numbers. Mm-hmm. And, and what do they do once they come out? Well, the first thing they do in that first evening is they crawl up a vertical surface like a tree trunk, the side of the house, a fence, what have you. And uh, over a three-hour period, they transform from the nymphal stage, the last immature stage, to an adult cicada. They they literally, the adult cicada pulls itself out of the exoskeleton of the uh, last immature stage, mm. and they're all white that time. And then they, as they slowly darken, they also harden their exoskeleton, and uh, 
that produces the uh, the mature adult cicada, but they're not ready yet to start doing their work. They'll start then they'll climb up to the tops of trees, and they'll uh, stay there between four and five days. So they're continuing hardening their exoskeleton, and that's when they'll start to fly and start to sing. Did they ever screw it up and like come out early or late? Like they've set their alarm clock wrong? Like they messed up the AM PM? They do. In fact, it's happened more often in the last uh, 24 years than we've we've had on record. Uh, really? a, a number of cicadas happened. Uh, in, for example, in the year 2000, uh, we had hundreds of thousands of cicadas emerge four years early here in Greater Cincinnati. That was the same that happened in 2020 in Chicago when when uh, thousands of cicadas came out four years ahead of schedule. And uh, uh, the, in both those instances, they came out in numbers large enough to overwhelm their predators. Enough of them survived to mate and reproduce, uh, lay their eggs, uh, and, and, and have the offspring hatch. And so uh, what's interesting to us at study cicadas is that these are instances that may show how new broods form. Indeed, here in Cincinnati, we've now had a second generation of these early cicadas, and we're now seeing the origin of a brood six occurring here in greater Cincinnati. And the Chicago area is on the verge of seeing a, a, a population of brood nine cicadas coming out. That'll be another another 13 years from now. Wow. My studio producer, Coleman, had a question that he wanted me to ask you, but I've already forgotten what it was. Coleman, what did you want me to ask you, the professor? Okay, so when the cicadas go underground and there's some sort of land development, like uh, a parking lot, like they get cemented, what happens right. to those cicadas? Those, those cicadas will do one of two things. Most likely, well, if it's early in the in their life cycle, and that's say they've clear-cut all the trees and then poured that pavement, that will kill the cicadas. Uh-huh. They oh. need they need to be they 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 live off by they they suck the tree roots of of moisture to keep it alive and then they tunnel around the tree roots. If those trees die or they're cut down and then pavement put over them, uh, that will kill those. However, if let's say somebody puts a deck in their back a, a cement uh, patio or something mm-hmm. in their back and it's not cut, didn't require the killing of trees, but cicadas come up under that and they hit that cement, they will actually tunnel along the bottom of that cement. Uh, until they find a way out, if they're lucky, yeah. if they go the wrong direction, end up under the house, they're they're they're, they're goners. But wow. but uh, uh, the, I've actually seen uh, uh, the, these concrete concrete pavements lifted up and see all hundreds of little cicada tunnels all over the side. The holes are along the edge of the wow. of the uh, the patio. Life will find a way. Um, uh, how will both of these broods coming out at the same time be? Im- how, what, what kind of different impact will that have from other years when you only get one at a time? Like, is there a sort of cumulative, uh, exponential, some, I'm not finding the right word to ask this, but what happens because there's so many more of them than there are usual? Well, what usually happens in this, and, and of course, the fact that they're coming out, two broods are coming out at once is not unusual. It ha- there's Because there's 12 17-year broods and three 13-year broods, that can happen over 30 times every 221 years. Oh, usually they're usually they're widely separated. For example, the last time Brood Seven emerged in upstate New York, that's when we had Brood Twenty Two emerging in northern Louisiana. So those that didn't really have much of an impact. What's exciting about this year's emergence is that there is a narrow zone in central Illinois where the two broods overlap. Oh. And uh, so I think what that the has led some people to think we're going to have double the cicadas, the double double the cicada fun, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, but the thing is that. Both those areas of the overlap are at the extreme edges of both broods, 
which means the numbers may not be that much greater than they would be in the middle of the of their brood where they come up where they're historically known to come up in big numbers. Uh, what is the benefit to having these giant broods come out? It's got to be uh, a lot of you know food for birds and such, right? Uh, who 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 eats these things? Everything eats these things: dogs, cats, people, squirrels. <laughs> I've seen deer eat them. I've seen I've seen fungus wow. turtles eating them, snakes eating them. What? Uh, it it is snakes. amazing. You said people eat them. Do you know some good cicada recipes? Well, I don't eat them anymore. Uh, uh-huh. I don't because uh, cicadas got me tenure. <laughs> <laughs> you probably want to not eat the thing that's keeping you in your tenure position. Absolutely. And indeed, there. And indeed, there. I've, I've I've been interviewed with some chefs who uh, who make it a point to uh, to uh, create recipes for cicadas, but periodical cicadas are not a sustainable food object. Mm-hmm. So when we <laughs> think get, about you can't like harvest them every year, yeah, it's not like. Off. You know, there's chatter occasionally about, hey, we got to move away from, you know, factory farm cows and pigs and we're going to all have to start eating insects. But cicadas are not an option for that because they just they only come out so often. Right. Right. And, uh, and of course, one of the things that the uh, the settlers in uh, in Plymouth, uh, Massachusetts, when the when the pilgrims came over in the, the 17th century, they discovered that the indigenous populations did indeed harvest cicada nymphs during cicada years and uh, uh uh, uh, roasted them and, and consumed them, and that's part of the reason why the uh, the era that cicadas were called locusts over several centuries was because the indigenous populations uh, ate locusts. John the Baptist liked locusts. They come on big numbers like plagues, and there's the plagues of locusts and exodus, and so I think that had a lot to do with people's understanding of yeah. what to call these strange insects. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned exodus, because I wanted to ask you about that, too. Are, are these cicadas and the locusts from the Bible the same insect, essentially? No, they're not. Uh, the, the, the locusts from the Bible are like grasshoppers. Uh-huh. And they, they have chewing mouth parts, and they can literally devour everything in their path when they come out in these big, big numbers. Right. They'll, they'll, cicadas, yeah. Sorry, yeah, the, the locusts will wreck your crops and stuff, but the cicadas won't right. do that? Yes. They won't do that. They have sucking mouth parts, and they eat very little... Uh, as adults, they they do uh, have to remain hydrated, so they'll with their sucking mouth parts will puncture just through the surface of the bark and get moisture to keep themselves hydrated. Uh, and uh, also, they they uh, uh, they they don't have jumping hind legs like locusts and what have you. So they're very different, indeed. And that was a little bit of a controversy in the in the 1730s when a, a a scientist sent a report to the Royal Society of London saying we got these locusts. And of course, the Royal Society said you've mistaken locusts for cicadas, cicadas for locusts, I should say. And he didn't believe them. So get this: in 1734, they arranged for an Egyptian locust to be sent from Cairo to Boston in 1734, <laughs> and it got there. No kidding. <laughs> no, it got there. What and did he they admitted feed it? That it well, they they they, 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 it was dead. It, oh, it was dead. I thought you meant it was alive. They okay, they, gotcha. No, it was it it, uh, it was dead. But it, uh, but the thing is, I just can't believe it got there. <laughs> With, yeah, not and, uh, uh, he, it, not not great tracking and logistics and all that in terms of uh, you know transatlantic shipping not, in 1734. I guess. Okay, not, not at all. So, um, but uh, but uh, he admitted that it was not definitely not a locust. Gotcha. Okay, I have a couple more extremely serious questions to ask professor very serious scientific stuff brace yourself the cicadas are going to be making all this noise buzzing around and buzzing and buzzing what are what are they saying to one another 
Well, the uh, the the scene, the chorusing, that's basically a, a a mating call. I see. And, and the ma- the males gather in trees in large numbers. They start chorusing, and then that attracts the females to fly into the trees. When the males are close in pro- close proximity to the female, she can't sing. She has no sound making apparatus like the calls that the males have. But if she hears a male close by and he starts a mating call, she'll flick her wings to it, to give her essentially to tell him that she's interested. <laughs> wow. Just and, between and you and me and the wallpaper professor, I was in advanced choir in high school, and it did not help me attract females. Well, it doesn't always work with the cicadas either, because in the middle of these choruses, sometimes the loudness, the, 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 the noise level drops a little bit. That's when the cicadas that didn't attract a female fly to another tree. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it's like, Basically, it's like a gigantic cicada singles bar, these trees. I love it. That's great. Single <laughs> and, and ready to mingle. Okay. And, and if, you, if you're not lucky here, they go across the, you know, check that tree over there. Yeah. We struck out at this bar. Let's move on to the next one. Coleman and I know that trick. All right. Listen, um, this is a pretty weird question, and I don't mean to put you on the spot with something really weird, but I just have to ask this. If the cicadas had a soundtrack for their emergence, what do you think it would be? Like, as a person who thinks about cicadas all the time, what what song or what genre of music comes to your head when you're envisioning them coming out of the ground? Like, what's the soundtrack for this? Well, it's interesting to say that in 2004, the uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce from Cincinnati actually released a, a CD of cicada songs. Although what? I don't think they were trying to emulate the cicadas. They basically had a folk song, they had a rap song, they had a... <laughs> <laughs> a pop song, all singing about cicadas. Uh, but uh, I was also on there. I had a, my track was basically a, a five-minute recording of a massive chorus of cicadas, and it was called Gene Kritzky and the and a Million in the Band. Wow! I had no idea. I thought that was such a weird question. I got a very satisfactory answer. We'll pause there, Professor. Well, but, so nice speaking with you today. Was there something well, else? One last thing, if I yes, could, please. If got I can't tell you. Bob Dylan did record a, call, a song called "And the Locust Sang for Me" in 1970 when, the, when he was experienced a brood ten emergence. Is that right? So ch- check out the master. Okay, we'll do that. Maybe we'll play that coming out of the next break, uh, Professor. Thank you so much. Hey, how how can people get your book if they want to learn more about this? Uh, the Tale of Two Broods is available on Amazon as ebook and a paperback. Okay, A Tale of Two Broods, authored by Gene Kritzky. He was a professor emeritus of biology at Mount St. Joseph University in Cincinnati, Ohio. Really nice speaking with you today. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend, Professor. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> yes, excellent. Okay, great. Um, any comments, questions, feedback you have about cicadas? A lot of you are giving me some good cicada jokes and texts here. I'm going to read those as soon as we come back. <laughs> I love it. I'm Ian Hokin for Scoop. We'll be right back on WWL. Nice. Bob Dylan, 1970, off the album New Morning. Song is Day of the Locusts. Pretty cool. Hey, I got a text message here. I think this is James on the North Shore. I asked the professor at the end of the conversation there, what's the soundtrack for the cicada emergence? James says, uh, this song by Guar, maggots are falling, they're falling like rain. Coleman, do we have that ready? This Guar song? I don't know. Whoa! (laughs) Maggots! Maggots! (laughs) 
Wow. Okay, great. Thanks for that recommendation, James, and thank you, Coleman. Joining me on the line right now is Greg Buisson. Greg, welcome to the show. Tell us about Fiesta Italiana, bud. Hey, how are you? Well, they won't be playing that music. No, uh, I wouldn't think the, so. Uh, I would be surprised Canada, to hear Guar. This weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's a great event. Uh, you'll have uh, Lena Prima will be out there. Nice. Of course, she does an amazing job. Yeah. Uh, we've got someone who's uh, really doing a – she's an international sensation – Michelle Mussolino, and she is uh, going to be singing some Italian favorites out there. Uh, all the way from the Big Apple, we got Vanessa Rachi. She's uh, she's really kind of a Broadway uh, voice and star, and uh, and does a tremendous amount of jazz that's there. And then, of course, they all have the local favorites: the Molly Ringwald, Chiwis, Bucktown All Stars. But there's so much you can do out there. You can play bocce ball. You can. Uh, there's a bunch of crafts that are going to be out there. Uh, you could go and trace your family's heritage. That's one of the things that's kind of fun cool. for families to go and do. But, of course, there's nothing like the great Italian food that's going to be out there. Everything from brucelloni to cannolis and everything in between. It's going to be a, a, a great food fest for people to enjoy. So um, weather's clearing out. It's a great time to come out with the family and pull up a lawn chair and listen to some amazing Italian music and have some amazing Italian food. That sounds amazing. And this is all starting today, and it goes through Sunday night, correct? Or, like, what time does it stop on Sunday? It, it, it does. So it's, uh, so the um, the, the whole festival is, uh, is is the whole weekend. Tonight is mostly... Uh, is, is mostly Louisiana artists that's there, and of course, the, and then the international artists that you want to hear they're on um, uh, on Saturday and uh, and on Sunday, and uh, and so what you what you also see too is um, is that the uh, the festival is uh, is this has been a long time festival. It's been this is the twenty second year that wow. they've been doing this out in Kenner. It's hard to believe that it's actually been going on quite that long. Um, but, uh, but it goes to 10 o'clock at night on Saturday night, 10 o'clock at night tonight, and on Sunday it lasts till 6 o'clock. Excellent. Uh, that it goes on. So, you know, come on out and, um, and, uh, and really enjoy it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, event, and it's, uh, it's, it's, look, it's, a, it's a $5 to get in. You can't, uh, can't beat the price. That's a great price. It's 12 and under are free, so, um, you know, come enjoy it. Make, make, dinner, make dinner for tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. Make it Italian. <laughs> I love it. If people want to get more information online, Greg, where do they go? They can go to campfest.com. Uh, uh, I mean, italianfest.com, I'm sorry. And uh, they, can, uh, they can see it there. Or they can go to the Jefferson Convention and Visitors Bureau. Uh, that's uh, called visitjeffersonparish.com. And that's got a whole page on it on the Italian Heritage Festival. So you said, what was the website? Italian Fest? Italian, Italian Heritage Italian, It's actually ItalianHeritageFestival.com. Oh, okay. ItalianHeritageFestival.com. Okay, okay, excellent. Great. We will yes. check it out. Hey, have a great event, man. Thank you so much for telling we us all about it. Appreciate the publicity. Thank you, man. Take Absolutely. Care Take care, Greg. We'll talk again later. Okay, great. I've got more uh, cicada text and stuff I want to get to. I'm going to not get too jammed up against the 2 o'clock news, so we'll step away again here, Coleman, and we'll be right back at 2.20. I'm going to talk to my friend Ben Mintz about Sotol, this sort of really niche specialty tequila adjacent liquor that's coming from northern Mexico. And you wouldn't believe the controversy that's erupted around Sotol. And uh, I think it's a really interesting story. I wish I had some Sotol that I could sample right now, but uh, <laughs> I don't think that's allowed anymore. I'm Ian Hoken for Scoot. I'll be right back after this. Reading now from WWL.com headline reads, where's the best place to get a po' boy this weekend? 
Ian McNulty was on with Tommy Tucker this morning, as he is every Friday morning, to talk about food and dining culture. McNulty from the Times Pick, you New Orleans advocate. Man, if you ever see McNulty out in the wild, you know you made a good pick. I went over to Plates, this like new uh, restaurant. They got a little uh, just down the street from the radio station here. I went in there to meet a friend one day, and I was sitting at the bar, and uh, Ian McNulty was over there. He had a date, and he was eating... Uh, sardines or something so i just like ah, i made a good choice today anyway mcnulty was on with tommy this morning talking about the best place to get a po boy and some of the recommendations that came out of that conversation of course the obvious ones you know your parans po boys your domalises your parkway your parasols but you know what i i didn't see on this list is hank's seafood in the marini pretty close to where i used to live when i was in the marini and I think just between you and me and the wallpaper, I mean, I'm love to go to a restaurant and get a po' boy, you know, like at Elise's or Paran's or what have you. But some of the best po' boys I ever had were in the really unexpected places like a gas station or a convenience store, you know, when it's just like one person and they got about two square feet of counter space and then they knock out these incredible sandwiches that are cheap, cheap, cheap. I remember before... Before the pandemic, you could go get a six-inch ham po'boy at Hank's for like two fifty. I mean, it was insane. It and it wasn't one of those things where it's like, mm, this is too cheap. You know, I don't trust it. Um, somebody texted in about the cicadas and said, "Are there any videos of them emerging? How cool would that be to see?" So I found a time-lapse video from Associated Press of a cicada, a single cicada emerging from its little uh, exoskeleton. You know where they like shed their skin and then they crawl out and then the skin like stays behind. So I don't know. I think this is a pretty gross and weird video. I'm going to send it back to this person right now. Send a message. If you want to see the video of the cicada crawling out of his little shell and moving around, I'll, I'll text that back to you. Just let me know on the Oakland Art Jewelers talking text line that uh, you want to see that cicada video. Also from WWL.com, who's going to take Mitch McConnell's place? Republicans forced a problematic situation last year when they ousted their former speaker, Kevin McCarthy. They went through multiple candidates before finally selecting Mike Johnson. So excuse me, McConnell is going to step down officially next January, and uh, the Republicans will have to pick his replacement this November after the election. So they got some time to think about it. Senator John Cornyn from Texas is, I think, currently the minority whip in the Senate, so he'd be naturally the the next candidate up if they just go in terms of seniority. But I think John Cornyn is also uh, a little bit too much of an institutionalist, I think, for the the flavor of the week in the Republican Party right now. They might want to go with somebody who's a little bit more MAGA, somebody like uh, Senator John Barrasso. I think Steve Daines is Trump's pick. The chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee uh, that's Steve Daines. And Rick Scott has also challenged McConnell in a leadership election before. That's the, the, the fellow from Florida. OK, coming up after the news here, we'll do the little news bomb. I'll bring you some more national, domestic, political headlines. And then we're going to talk to Ben Mintz about uh, SOTOL and the sort of weird trade policy that's screwed up the sale and distribution of SOTOL and maybe whiskey also. More after this. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Thank you.